Hi, this is Father Nathan. I'm glad you're joining me today on this episode of the Joyful Friar podcast. Today, we're in the third of uh, a kind of trilogy that involves the story of Dear Ronnie, the 12-year-old girl who died in the huge Indian Ocean tsunami back in 2004. Uh, in the previous two episodes, uh, in one, I described her story that is told in greater detail in Afterlife Interrupted, book one. Uh, I tried to summarize it. And then in the podcast that followed, I dealt with um, compassionate response to questions that arose from people after hearing Ronnie's story. And today, we'll be dealing with uh, some uh, spiritual practices that you might find helpful um, that have some relevance to the story of Ronnie. If you recall, uh, Ronnie was, uh, she didn't identify herself by any religious tradition. She was from India, where Christians are something like 2% of the population. So it's quite unlikely that she was Christian and she didn't mention it. She probably would have talking to a Catholic priest. But we're universal persons and uh, all from the same loving source, the one who brought us all into being. Um, her concerns were not of a religious or theological nature. She was pretty much working through the issues that caused her to be what I call stuck in her afterlife. She died disobeying her parents, uh, going to the beach without their permission, just in time to be swept out to sea breaking their hearts, leaving them without their only child and without any future grandchildren they might have had. She she felt like she had altered the course of their lives in this just uh, irreparable way. And in all of that pain and sadness, she became immobile. Has that ever happened to you? Have you been through something tragic that has you just feeling like I can't move? I'm stuck in this way and there's nothing to be done. Well, I hope that's not the case. I hope uh, that, and that if that is the case for you currently, that you push against it and ask for help around you and trust that it's within arm's reach. Uh, don't let yourself get too far down that old uh, rabbit hole of insisting that nothing can change and, you know, uh, there's nothing for me and no one will help or any of that kind of thing. Uh, if I can help, I will. But I always tell people, too, if you begin to form the thought that I want to move in a positive way, I believe that what I call the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, will begin showing you resources that you didn't know were available. You just have to look. Anyway, one of the things that Ronnie needed to do is common to the work that my prayer partners and I do is get ready to move. They know that they're leaving a level of... of um, the afterlife that's especially prepared for people like them who need a therapeutic rest after dying in such a tragic way. Not everybody needs that. The, the fact that that some people do, though, it's great that, that that's there. Please don't presume if you know a loved one who died in a sudden traumatic way that they're stuck because they're probably not or that they necessarily needed this kind of remedial movement into the afterlife. Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Um, you can always pray for them. I was taught that as a little boy, that that if I form my thoughts, and I do that as a Catholic Christian in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I think of that as creating a protected channel, you know. And when you when you want to talk 
or communicate with someone, for, for example, on the phone, you don't dial random numbers, you dial specific numbers that will connect you to that person or the email address, whatever, that there's a specificity that's involved in uh, communication between persons. And this, the sign of the cross, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, I believe creates a safe channel. Uh, it doesn't, we're not throwing our spirit out into the ethos, into the cosmos. It's not a Ouija board where we're trying to contact whomever. No, we're very specific. I want to be in the body of Christ uh, and I want to speak to this person. That's the way I do it anyway. Um, and I believe they hear. Now, sometimes people are asleep because sleep is restorative. You know, our bodies are designed to be asleep, unconscious about a third of the time. And I'm told that when we are asleep, our immune systems are four times more active than they are during the day. When our body is not responsible for keeping all of the systems powered up when we are asleep uh, and at rest, the, uh, the immune system ramps up and looks for ways to uh, clean us up, get rid of things that need to be gotten rid of. I, I watched it as a, a campus minister for most of my career, especially at Stanford, the seven years that I was there. Students were just so apt to brag about how little sleep they got around finals time. And if you said, well, I only got four hours, there was always somebody that was going to top you and say, oh, I only got three. And there'd always be someone who said, you mean you went to bed? I didn't even go to sleep. Well, these people ended up getting sick after the last final. Uh, and it was just like clockwork. You could, you could see it happen. Sometimes in the afterlife, uh, when people have been through a lot of trauma, Think of how when we go to a funeral, many of our funeral rituals, Christian or otherwise, have um, this sentiment, rest in peace. Well, we don't necessarily want our loved one to lounge about forever in an unconscious state or in and out of naps for all eternity. No, the whole point of resting is to be restored, refreshed, and to arise ready to greet the next adventure. Maybe you've had the experience, I know I have, of of having maybe a few times a year waking with an uncommonly great night's sleep. Have you, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you ever just awakened and thought, wow, I feel terrific. Uh, and I really am ready and alert and ready to greet this day. Well, I believe that that's possible for all of your loved ones who have died in a tragic way. But they might be asleep for right now. And if they are, that's not a bad thing. But the reason I'm going on about this is the the uh, the idea of can your loved ones hear you when you call out to them in prayer, whatever your spiritual practice is. But it needs to have some sort of intentionality. Um, uh, sometimes people will tell me, oh, Father, I, I pray in the car. Well, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad that you pray in the car. But if if you only talked to your loved one in the car and never anywhere else, after a while, that relationship is going to go cold. You know, don't let that be the whole of your prayer life or spiritual life. Make sure that there's some dedicated time spent, preferably in the morning. I like late at night too, right before sleep. But some sort of concerted time of spiritual presence, stillness, um, maybe address to God or the persons of God or the saints. If you if you like address yourself to your loved one and offer them a blessing. I think of it, you know how we use the word currency to describe um, 
money because money is an abstraction, whether it's paper, metal coins, uh, electronic blips, whatever it is that moves from person to person and does so with a certain power. Uh, and the power is quantifiable by how many numbers there are to the right of the decimal point or to the left of the decimal point. I think, and then we think of electricity moving in a current, maybe flowing water in a current. I think that that for me, prayer is a spiritual currency. It moves from my heart. It can move first into me from the Holy Spirit. Then it can be magnified in me, intended by me for some good for someone else, even if there is someone who's already died. I pray for people who have died many times a day, and I dedicate my evening, my night's sleep to someone who has died just about every night. It's just become a practice of mine, uh, especially reinforced in these recent decades while I've been doing the work that I describe in these books. Anyway, um, can your loved ones hear you? I say, yes. Yes, they can. Can you hear them back? Maybe, maybe not. Can you improve the possibility of receiving back from them? Yes, I think you can by intending it, desiring it, and being still and and uh, asking uh, for that grace. Don't, don't feel an entitlement to it. Um, I wouldn't do that. Uh, but I believe that um, our loved ones can make their presence known to us one way or another. And many of you have contacted me to tell me of, of stories you have of that kind. Anyway, I hope the memory of me can bring a smile and not just sadness and loss. She was a 12-year-old when she died, but she and her parents had 12 years of life and love shared together. And she looked in on them and she said, I hope the memory of me can bring a smile and not just sadness and loss. And she described uh, little mementos and photos and things that her parents had in their workplace and at home that reminded them of happy days with their daughter. Think about it. You know, one of these days you're going to die. We haven't any idea knowing whether our deaths are going to be, you know, peacefully in our sleep or because of some violent thing. None of us know that. But when you do die, uh, don't you hope that your loved ones will, um, move through their grief over your death and loss and get to a place of peace and gratitude and joy, and maybe even joyful hope of being reunited with you. That's largely why I do this work. I, I, uh, I didn't know that, that this work was going to have um, such impact in the grief support world. I wasn't writing a grief support book, but I'm finding that people uh, give my books to people who are in grief. And I'm very often contacted by people saying, I'm so glad I read what you wrote. It changed everything. Well, for that, I'm, I'm hugely grateful. Uh, and really during the pandemic, so many people have been reaching out for some sort of spiritual, perhaps religious uh, strengthening and support. A great many people have disaffiliated with organized religions, not just Catholic or Christian ones, but it, in the US it's quite commonplace. And then even for those that were tightly affiliated with a local house of worship. Many of them were closed during the pandemic and your only option really was to watch live streamed worship services. Well, anyway, a, a lot of people are looking to podcasts and 
YouTube and so on. Uh, and I'm happy to have a home there. I would have never thought this would be my life, but you know, it's part of the great adventure. So that last question is one that I think is really to the point. And it's, we had to watch Ronnie change her mind. She was only 12, but she was 12 going on 20. She had a good mind and she formed this certitude that because she died in disobedience, that status needed to remain with her and it needed to define her. Until others and my prayer partners and I worked on her a bit and said, I'm so sorry that that happened. Can you get over it? Are you willing to move on to a next thought and a next way of being? Or do you just want to stay in that mindset. If you don't want to change your mind, you don't need anybody's help. You can continue to, to think as you have, but if you'd like to change your mindset, here are ways in which you might do that and we'll help. She had decided that she didn't belong to her family because she had been such a disgrace to it. And then in the end, when she was willing to call out and ask to be accompanied by whoever would be the appropriate ones to move her along to a next level, she not only got one family member, she said, I got the whole thing. Remember, she asked us, have you ever gone bowling? You know, the way the pins are arranged, one, then two, then three, going back into infinity. Her family was all there. And she said, I, I don't know all of them, but they all know me. And they're letting me know that I belong. I belong to all of them. I belong to the one. And I think she was saying the one source of all of us. Uh, that we all belong to the one. And again, she said at the very end, when we asked her, do you have an enduring message that you'd like people to remember because they learned of your story? She said, for now, uh, I can feel her presence. She's so sweet. For now, tell them it doesn't really matter what religion you are or what you think about it. You will live on after you die even if you die in a way that seems colossally tragic you step out of that you'll walk out of that like one might walk out of dirty clothes and go on amen to that ronnie i'm grateful that you're going on and that we got to be a part of uh, your journey at least a little bit and However much longer I got to be here, I hope you'll continue to be a part of my team. There are other books yet to write, and I'd love to have you assist with those. And one of these days, I hope you'll keep an eye out on me and be a part of the welcoming party when it comes my turn to pass. So thank you, Ronnie. Thank you all for taking part in this podcast. Join us next time for uh, an introduction to another character from Afterlife Interrupted Books 1 and 2. If you'd like to be in touch with me, please contact me through my website, which is nathan-castle.com. Go to the bar at the top, click on contact. That'll give you a little form to create an email. I try to be as responsive as I can to my email. So if you have a question or a comment, uh, that would be the, the best way to go about it. But for now, thanks for being with me. See you next time. God bless you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joyful Friar. You can visit me at nathan-castle.com.
Send me a message by clicking the contact button. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can make a donation by clicking the donate button. See you next time. God bless.